truth. What is truth? Truth is reality. It can be confirmed by evidence. It is verifiable. And we seek to find it. Welcome to Euphonaut Radio. Euphonaut Radio is a show that takes you on a truth journey outside the matrix to examine the worlds of ufology, the paranormal, and new science. Open your mind as we search for the truth that most are afraid to discuss. This is Euphonaut Radio with Jesse Randolph and Christopher J. Brown, only on PSN Radio. Monday night, Euphonaut Radio, Jesse Randolph here, ready to serve the general public in disclosure of ufology secrets and alike. People to my right, people to my left on the panel tonight, as always, the Honorable Chris J. Brown, and to my left, the angel of ufology. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. How are you? Great. Good to be here. Doing fantastic. Yeah, you can see that... uh, The Honorable had his uh, his coffee. He's ready to go. He sounds like he's jonesing, doesn't he? For oh. coffee. Are you, who, no, he sounds very calm. He sounds very zen. I don't... Who, me? Yes, you. Yes, I, don't you. Drink, I don't drink coffee. Um, it puts me to puts me to sleep, so I don't do it. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. hey, great show last week. If you missed it, guess what? You didn't. It's a podcast. You can get it for free. If you go to the website, uh, psn-radio.com, and yep. you can find Euphonaut Radio, it's right there in the middle. Unless you're really stupid, you will find it. And you click on it, and all the shows are there. And they're free, because we don't make a dime, because we're stupid. Yep. Okay, that, I thought that was funny. Hey, you know what's really getting yep. me this week? It was. Maybe it was a sore spot for somebody on the left. I don't know. Yep. I think it's comical. You know what's really getting me all week? You know when you get sucked into a story? Uh, you, you guys know from ufology or, or conspiracy, and you get sucked into something. And I'm, I'm that way. Like one week I'll be all over Scientology, and I'll just watching Scientology videos, and I'm watching Scientology documentaries, and I'm getting into it and reading. I don't read as much as I should, but... This week, I got sucked into this Max Spears case like you wouldn't believe. I'm still, I'm still sucked into it. I mean, here's a guy that, number one, if, if you haven't heard of this story, Max Spears is this gentleman that I was not familiar with. So that was strange to begin with because the headline when this broke uh, last week and someone was quick to tell me on the team that this actually transpired, this, this man's death, back in June. But here's this headline that really got on the wire service across the board from Yahoo to HuffPost, you name it, in between. Uh, ufologist dies mysteriously with black ooze coming out of his mouth uh, on, so, on someone's couch in a flat in Poland. And Max Spears. And I saw a picture of this guy. He looked like Christian Bale. And I'm like, who the hell is Max Spears? And what happened to him? So sure enough, I was intrigued because I'd never heard of Max Spears before, and I don't—I didn't know anybody who did. 
And I started looking at this guy, and sure enough, there is a lecture – I'm sorry, an interview that he did in Poland. He went to Poland um, for a UFO conference apparently, and this man has major uh, heavy-duty claims in the conspiracy genre uh, as a super soldier – a la, you know, Duncan McFinnigan or whatever his name is and some of these other characters that have claimed to be part of, uh, top secret super soldier MK Ultra type programs, a la Stuart Swerdlow who canceled on us a couple of weeks ago. Reason he canceled, I find out, may have been, and this is knowledge for Danny, I haven't shared yet, is because apparently Stuart, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong, was uh, important uh, as a helper to Max Spears, uh, a confidant, and assisted with him in Europe. Now, Max is uh, of English descent. He grew up in Canterbury. Okay, in fact, he went to high school with Orlando Bloom, the story also tells us. And here's the weird thing about Max Spears. After watching this guy, I was able to go back into YouTube land, and we talk about this when you – you get into your YouTube zone, and the next thing you know, five hours have passed. And here I am listening to a Max Spears interview. First, I listened to the last one he did days before he passed in Poland. And, man, this guy sounds terrible. You hear him slurring. You hear him acting strange. He's having to take a lot of breaks. It was weird, man. And then I went back further and started listening to his other uh, lectures and interviews, and they were really kooky too, man. I mean, you're talking about um, all kinds of transdimensional travel and uh, stuff that that I think Jackal would probably say this guy's out of his mind. But let's watch. I found it incredibly intriguing. So that's what I got sucked into this week. If you haven't checked out the Max Spears stuff, where it lays right now, or where it is still going. Uh, is that this man is dead, and it's been very hard to get any sort of uh, explanation or investigation on why he died. He was a very supposedly healthful, uh, healthy guy. And the thing about Max Spears, two things I found strange. Number one, I didn't know who he was. Number two, there are only certain types in ufology. Usually you have round people, right, like Comic-Con looking people in ufology. Not the best-looking right. group of people in, in general. Yeah, those people. To, yeah, 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 those people. Okay, so you have those round people, and then you have yeah. old people. Those are like your two sections of ufology, old people and round people. But I will tell you this. Max yeah, Spears, me. Right. Yeah, and Max Spears is like Christian Bale. This guy it was an icon in the making. He was being groomed to be a David Icke with a lot more reach perhaps, and he talks about reptilian agendas and all kinds of stuff, and his stuff is as uh, entertaining to listen to as any Andrew Bassagio lecture, except Andrew Bassagio looks kind of like a turtle, and this guy is like, you know, this male, the uh, snack British guy. This guy is probably on does, He does look like a turtle, I'll, I'll give you that much. Can't cope with that, but he kind of does a little bit, and that's not a cut to him. I mean, by the way, you're becoming very, you're becoming robotic there. Unplug and plug back in your uh, headset, everybody. I don't know what's going on with you. I'm going to do it right now, okay? Yeah. Am I the only one to hear? Here's that, or you hear that too, Chris? I hear it too. Yep. Am I, am I doing any better now? Yeah. 
you sound like a robot, like a 1950s robot. Like if you start doing the robot, we will um, be live on air. Jesse Rogato. Oh, oh my goodness, it's robotic time, robotic time. <laughs> oh boy, maybe I should call back in or something. Yeah, let's do that. Let's uh, hang up on the call and, and uh, I'll bring you back in here. All right, let's hijack this show, guys. What do you say? Huh? No? Okay, well, whatever. Oh, jeez. Nope. Let's hijack <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Are we any better? Uh, oh, speak. Mr. Robot. No. Not so good, huh? Oh, no. Yeah, there you go. It fixed whatever it was. It, it, it caught. Yeah. Okay. Are we good now? Yeah, you're, you're good now. You're good, Mr. Okay. Roboto. All right, we're back. Anyway, I, I urge you to look into this Max Spear stuff. I found it riveting. And if anybody wants to call into the show and let us know if they have some up-to-date information, I know that his mother is still very distraught over this. Then I started listening to his uh, uh, fiancé's interviews, and they were very Laura Eisenhower-esque, Angel. Hmm. So... Some very strange stuff going on there. And if you just listen to this interview, the last I mean, interview have, it's called. Have they okay. come up with an official determination of what caused his death? Negative. And they weren't able to do toxicology, apparently. And uh-huh. they didn't do an autopsy. So, you know, it's it's very strange. But Stuart Swerdlow, who I've interviewed many times, and uh, he's a very uh, charismatic guy. And if you know his lineage, it goes back to his great-grandfather, who was some sort of Russian prime minister-esque guy. And, right, right. Um, the point is is that uh, Swerdlow canceled on us, and I think you know perhaps he was still bogged down with some, some of this stuff. I have no idea, but it sure would have been nice to have him back on. So perhaps, uh, I don't know, I haven't looked in the chat room. Maybe somebody's buzzing about it. But uh, tonight, what we wanted to do, gents, was – Take advantage of October here because it's everyone's favorite month, and Portland, Oregon, is as Halloween as you can get. Mm-hmm. It's not like Los Angeles, California, when I used to live in Venice Beach, and you know October looked the same as Christmas, the same as Hanukkah, the same yeah. as Easter, and so on. This is the Halloween Central. It's dark. It's gloomy. It's cloudy. It's raining. It's chilly, and it's creepy. And so tonight... And the leaves are falling. Leaves are falling. It's mm-hmm. got that color that you know, yes. that, all, that American... Yellow. Beautiful yeah. change of season. And that's one of the great things about living in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, of course, our guest tonight, what we decided to do was try to get an expert on a subject that has always been very... Uh, I want to say hot and cold for me, which is the ghost genre, because I've been disappointed in the past. And at one point, I decided to sort of put that on hold a little bit as far as um, maybe my expectations weren't um, realistic based on the films I watch, or maybe I just wasn't getting lucky with the right guests. But basically, my issue was that every time that I had a, you know, 20, 30-year veteran of the subject, it was very difficult to find anything that was all that impressive uh, when I tried to press them for the best evidence that they could come up with. Um, 
and like I said, I have an open mind, and I'm back here, and it's Halloween, and Danny suggested we do this uh, show about ghosts and uh, clairvoyancy. And our guest tonight, uh, Dr. Adrian Lee, is someone not only that I haven't heard of, so that's exciting, but it's a gentleman who actually uh, is the co-founder, I believe, of the International Paranormal Society. And uh, this is over in England. And he's a ghost hunter. He's investigated haunted buildings throughout Britain, America, the Midwest. And basically, he's, he's an author. But this is a gentleman who not only is a ghost hunter, but he also is an experienced tarot card reader. Have any of you had a tarot card reading lately? Not lately, but I've had one done before. Actually, I've had a couple done. My ex-stepmother now, who is my father's uh, ex-wife, she was a tarot card reader. and, And she claimed to be a psychic. Funny well, enough. Well, she, she should have seen that divorce coming, huh? Well, funny enough, she did see something coming. Um, uh, she did read cards for me once, and she told me uh, straight up, she was like, I see you taking multiple trips in the near future, and you're going to just pick, pack up and go somewhere, and just you're going to do these things randomly. And I was like, really? Because I didn't just start working as a travel salesman, like, two months ago, like a travel agent. But then you then fell and broke your broke your ankle too. Well, no, yeah, but that was many years later, though, Danny. Good chime on that one. No, but this was back like in two thousand and four or five when I was still in travel, and I had just started. And she tells me that I'm like, really, that's a bombshell. Like, we just had a conversation where I told you that we have to take familiarization trips, and I'm going to be doing a lot of travel. That was like a week ago when I started this new job, psychic lady. Yeah. Well, you guys will enjoy your guest tonight. Uh, he has a lot of evidence to back up what he says. I certainly enjoyed my conversation with him uh, earlier today. Hey, don't get me wrong. I- I'd love to meet like a-, a real psychic person that really knows what the you know, the deal is and can give it to me straight and give me a good reading. I'd love to see that. She just wasn't oh. that. This guy kind of stumbled into the field. Uh, he was an art. He he went to school. He's an art historian, and uh, you know, he saw all of the UFOs that are depicted over time in paintings, and you know, he started speaking to that and got further further out into the field where now he's found a relation between ghosts and UFOs and well, Danny. Kinds of he he also claims that he um, uh, talks with spirit guides. He's a clairvoyant. Uh, he actually he lives in Minnesota. Here I'm looking at his bio for a second. Yes, here. sir. Uh, but that that's interesting because uh, for me, when I was on KPAM for a while, I was on Saturday nights, and the show right before me uh, was a show called The Other Side with Steve Godfrey, and it was basically to to make a long story short, uh, like a John Edwards type program. If you're not familiar with him, he's the guy who speaks to dead folks on TV and, you know, it comes to people in the crowd, etc. Yeah, I've seen from, that guy. Right. He's from my hometown, Long Island. Uh, he seems like a nice enough guy. Right. And, uh, sure. So does, this guy, Steve that, Godfrey, mustache. Uh, this guy, yeah. does he have a mustache? I think so. Yeah. No, he doesn't yeah. have a mustache. Edwards. Really? I think he did. 
Well, I mean, he might sometimes, but, you know, I always see him finish I think that's part of his uh, draw, is that he's sort of this sort of uh, very nice-looking guy that uh, is there to help. And anyway, to make a long story short, uh, by the way, you're acting on Mr. Roboto again on this. Oh, goodness gracious. Is there somebody playing, like, video games at the house over there? Like, something going on with your bandwidth? I don't know. Uh, let me try to close out some stuff, Chance. Yeah, maybe you're, you're downloading stuff that doesn't help, you know, like, stop downloading I'm not, stuff. I'm not downloading anything. You know, this is amateur radio, so we do the best we can. That's right. Damn right. You know, how, is that any better? Speak? It is. It's it not is. better on mine. Okay, I just turned off a bunch of stuff, and that's what we do, you know. Oh, I there just, you go. I just, uh, is, is it better? Yeah, it's a little bit better. It's a little bit better. Okay, it'll take a little bit better. So anyways, uh, Godfrey would be doing his thing on the radio, and, you know, sure enough, people would call in and say, hey, uh, you know, I lost my grandma, and he would f- kind of do a lot of guesswork to find grandma and then talk about grandma. Uh, my point is, at the end of every show, it was very positive. It was very nice. People felt better. They always found out that their relatives were sort of chilling in the afterlife, and they were happy. And everybody was sort of dancing and stuff like that. So I really didn't give it a big deal, you know, as far as uh, bashing it or trying to troubleshoot why people accept this um, without any sort of substantial proof. And so it'll be interesting to talk to Adrian about that, about what he thinks of guys like John Edwards, because it sounds like he's able to do some of the uh, similar things. So if there's anybody here... Listening tonight, I'm not gonna. I don't mind putting him on the spot because that's you know that's how we roll here. Uh, mm-hmm. If we want to try to uh, see if he would be willing to do something like that, that's the kind of radio I'm sort of interested in. When we can, you know, have people with amazing claims sometimes come up with some amazing results. And and you know what we need to do? Yeah, we need to give out. We need to give out that number. Yes. Oh please, call sir. And that is one. Seven eight six two four five eight one two seven for all those that would like to call in and ask questions. Yeah, absolutely. You know what we need? We need a really cool bumper, like you know, for the numbers, like uh, the West of the Rockies dial seven eight six two four five eight one two seven. Yeah. East of the Rockies dial seven eight six two four five eight one two seven. If you're on Mars, dial 786-245-8127. There you go. Something like that. Yeah. That's good. It sounds familiar, too. Yeah, no, that's what I was going for. I was going for familiarity. We're trying to trailblaze, you know? That's, that's right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, you guys know what I'm saying about John Edwards and these kind of guys, and especially you, Angel. You're very uh, challenging on some of that stuff. I mean, do you do you give credence to the uh, to this technology that these people possess, uh, possibly, as far as uh, do you think it's legit? Well, I, I give a chance to anything being legit. I mean, anything is possible. In, in, in infinite universe, there's infinite possibilities to everything, so... I don't, I'm not completely close-minded to it. Um, I just haven't ran across anybody who could actually prove it to me yet. Yes, that's, that's it, it. Wow, we actually agree. 
that's kind of where I am. I want it to be true. That's a first. But I know, it might be. And yeah. we have uh, very close friends to ours, uh, uh, Sarah yeah. and I, who are adamant, especially my good friend, Call. And, uh, Carl? Had, well, his name's Colin, but I call him Call. But oh, okay. he has had multiple experiences with the paranormal. And he's not somebody that even really delves into these subjects as far as, you know, on a serious level. Um, and he's a pretty regular guy, you know, and he owns a business, et cetera, et cetera. But he's had these extraordinary encounters and he's very adamant about it. And I kid sometimes, but man, and same thing with Sarah. She has had some heavy duty experiences that when they describe them, you're like, well, if this was really happened, it's pretty mind blowing. But I have had nothing close to that ever happening. And I have yet to actually remember when I was invited to hang out with Stan Romanek and I told you about that angel. Yep. Yep. I remember that. Well, when I that went down, yeah, I know. I'm, and, and you told me later, it's a good thing you didn't go. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but anyway, Alejandro, <laughs> Alejandro Rojas, if you remember this gentleman, uh, who is your apparent, uh, um, he's, he's my he's hero, Jesse. He's my big hero. influencer. He's your hero. He's my hero. He, life. Yeah. when he was doing, he was doing some radio with me back in the day, and he yep. said, hey, this stuff going on at this guy's house in Colorado. Well, nobody's nobody's perfect, Jesse. Nobody's perfect. Hang on, I'm telling the story. <laughs> and <laughs> oh my god, now you're gonna turn on the robot voice. Fuck. It's like anyway. Uh, yeah, he called me and said, "Look, you can come down here if you don't believe me. Spend the weekend here, and there's stuff going on nightly." And I was really tempted. But I didn't. I was probably... Uh, Did he tell you anything that he saw out there? Because, I mean, he, he mentioned that to me once, but... I don't remember. He never said, I saw this, and I saw that, I saw some lights, you know I mean? I don't... Here's I the don't thing. Uh, I lived in a house that I would classify as being haunted when mm-hmm. I was a kid. Uh, I did see stuff move by by itself. You know, I did see an apparition when I was a little kid, or what it looked like kind of an apparition. It was mostly... Uh, kind of like a shadowy figure moving across the wall and into a, a door. Um, I'd seen a couple of things, you know, as a kid when I was younger in a house that we lived here in Miami. But as far as psychic ability, psychic uh, stuff like that, I've never had anybody actually prove that part of it to me. But again, I'm open-minded to it. I don't think there was anything uh, more than trickery with Stan Romanek, though, to be uh, clear and honest. And well, I think what about John Edwards? And well, I mean, let's bring it back to tonight. I mean, do, what it's do you possible. Think of these it's possible. Look, but look, Sylvia Brown burned how many people with her lies? And she's been a, a lo- proven. Yeah, she, Sylvia Brown was in big trouble before she got real yeah. sick. She had uh, big, big issues that were coming down on her. She so, was going to court for. So she. Oh was my God! I'm Sylvia Brown. I'm on the Monta Williams been, show again. Ooh, that was pretty good, Sylvia. Hey, you know what? Um, that's an interesting point while we're sitting here brainstorming is, you know, how does Adrian feel about uh, charlatans and people who are pretending to do this and can't do it? Or like I call them, Cleo. You know, like carnival personnel, so to speak. That, that's Miss Cleo right there. She's a carvin, uh, carnival personnel. Remember that in the jerk when the guy's yelling, he's not carnival personnel. Yeah. Well, Miss Cleo is dead too. So hmm, funny, they're all dying. 
Yeah. Well, yep, yep. you know, we have a painting of Miss Cleo in our home. Oh, shame on you. An oil painting to boot. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Can you imagine what that thing's worth? Uh, five bucks. Let's send it to the back to the family. So I have something to remember. Yeah. I gotta take those that. videos of her on TV anymore. I'll give you five bucks to take it off the wall and burn it. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, child! He's gonna burn my picture Whoa. now! Dude, let me ask. Oh, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. This Cleo, if I took that thing down to Antique Roadshow, are you kidding me? First of all, is it Antiques or Antique Roadshow? I think it's Antique. Not with an S. Not with an S. I believe. The perfect sure. person to ask that would be uh, Alan, my co-host tomorrow night. This guy Other guy? The other guy, yeah. He, he That's what he uh, does. He does road shows and trade shows, so he would know I the answer to that. I can't talk to him. He gets all worked up. I can't talk to him. <laughs> he does. Just <laughs> ask him for me, would you? Come on, the two of you on a conversation. No, that's fun. Try to sell me a knife or something. I don't want to talk to him. You <laughs> yeah, he will. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the whole time we're, we're up at, we're, you know, no kidding. The whole time we're up at Mufon, he literally was trying to sell me everything. It was great. <laughs> Does he have those copper socks? I was thinking about trying those. He's the ultimate salesman, though. I love him, though. You got to love him. He's ambitious. Hey, if it works for Brad Farb, you know, I don't know. Maybe I should give it a go. He's ambitious, is all I'm saying. You know, like, he hey, likes look. to sell. I like that shit. <laughs> I used to go to the fucking As Seen on TV store at the oh mall. My Have you ever yeah. been in that store? Yep. No, I haven't. Well, are you saying that you don't really? have... You've never like, been there? You know, like, have you been to a Walgreens where they got a whole section of that crap? Yeah. Well, I kind of know what you're talking about, yeah. You know what I'm talking you ever about, been, right? you, ever been, you ever been to a mall, Chris? Yes, I have. They the <laughs> don't have them at every mall, Angel. Yeah. Wow, really? They have them here I, at every hey, mall. Hey, I am guilty of watching Shark Tank, uh, the television show, and I always go and shop for Shark Tank products because they sell a lot of them at Costco, and I'm at Costco every week, so I'm always at the mall or shopping, or, or at the mall, but at least shopping. Yeah, but Costco and doesn't count. Huh. Walmart, whatever, Safeway, or whatever store we land to, you know? Well, right. yeah. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't watch that. I don't watch Shark Tank. Oh, so, what a great show. But I do love the ad scene on TV uh, store, and they have the coolest stuff. And one time I bought somebody a little tiny uh, thing that you put in the microwave. It's made out of stone. It's called the Stone Wave, and it makes an egg in like 30 seconds. You just pop it in, you crack the egg, you put the top on, and 30 seconds, boom, you got an egg. Have I don't know like if, I get, if I feel right eating that egg, though. 30 seconds. 30 seconds, egg. <laughs> boom. What do you think? We're getting to that Back to the Future 2 technology <laughs> where we have, like, 45-second pizza. Well, that's Remember what that? this is, but it's with an egg. <laughs> I know. We're almost at the pizza. That's what I'm saying. We start with the egg. <laughs> Another year or two, we're going to have a full-blown pizza in 45 seconds. It starts starts off about two inches big and uh-huh. ends up being like this huge New Yorker, which is like heated. Yeah. It's like spans, a, you know? Like, like New that's, York steak. Yeah. 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 That's coming. Well, anyway, it, it, the store is great. And it's from Roswell, by the way. It's Roswell technology. I'm just it's saying. Roswell technology <laughs> that uh, only uh, – who was your, your guest last week? Henry? Henry uh, Harry Drew. He's the real deal, let me tell you. Ah, I love Harry. Yeah. 
That he is. <laughs> he really is, man. Mm-hmm. He'll be the first one to tell you. Anyways, back to this <laughs> uh, FCN on TV stuff. Yeah, it's fantastic, and I I'll get sucked into Walgreens, especially if I'm a little out of it. I'll, I'll get sucked into that aisle for a good twenty minutes, um, and they got these uh, copper socks. Then they have this like dog de-shedder thing that I almost buy every time where I'm sort of on the fence. Should I get it? No, don't get it. It's stupid. It's not going to work. Anyway, it, this would be good to talk to other guy about. Like, what do you think of the copper socks? Because my feet... Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, do you think they work? You don't know. Well, I have no idea, but I'm pretty sure he does. Yeah. I hear you. Well, you know, getting back to these Sylvia Brown folks and stuff like that, I mean, it's got to... <laughs> but that's totally up his alley, though, seriously. Who, Adrian Lee? No, 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 the other guy. The I just socks. like Adrian Lee's name, you know? It sounds like a superhero or something. Who's playing Batman in this film? Adrian Lee. Adrian Lee as Do you know what it is? There's Batman. An, yeah, there's an Adrian Lynn, and he's a famous director. Oh, you're probably thinking about Brandon Lee. That's why Adrian Brandon, no, no. Oh, well, maybe, you know, and, and actually, Lee, uh, I just learned this, too. I forgot. Rest in peace, by the way. it was from Max Spears' lecture I was listening to, how the uh, the Lee family, it's a very important family, China, I believe. So That's where they come from, Jesse, yep. That's where they come from. And that's where uh, Bruce Lee is a disciple of and yep. uh, like. So... That's what's going on there, and what else are we going to talk to him about tonight? I really want to find out, uh, you know, how he might be able to, and I don't want to say prove, but I want to say, hey, you know, uh, what can you do on the show tonight that might really make us uh, certified Believe. believers, you know? Wouldn't that be great? I haven't heard any news on the Podesta front with that story that I claimed was going to be so amazing about these release of emails from uh, Sir WikiLeaks and alike about... Well, you know, the, they're, they're burying all this stuff from WikiLeaks, man. It's it's insane. And oh, they sure it, are. And, you know, I, I've come up with a hypothesis on this whole thing, and hear me out. I think the whole WikiLeaks um, hookup on all these emails are from the Clinton people themselves. I think they're purposely leaking all this stuff out. And my belief has just started to hit me the last couple of days is, and if you hear it in what they're saying publicly, they're saying, oh, this stuff is uh, coming out through terrorist activity and people that are hacking our systems. You you can't take any of this stuff seriously. That's the perfect way out because now we can't take any of it seriously, right, quote, unquote, and they're telling you that. I I hear what you're saying. It's a cool theory. I look at it a little differently. I look at the reason the public isn't, exploding about this or really even remotely interested at this point. Um, no, the public is. The media is the one that's suppressing it. The public uh, is pretty pissed. I, I, well, maybe you're right. And and But it seems to me is when the public gets really interested in something is when someone's indicted, okay? That's when they, the serious light gets turned on for people because they know they can see hearings and there's going to be all kinds of talk and then maybe somebody might get sent to jail or whatnot. And there's been nothing like that. And I think that's the story more is that how were the Clintons able to, or especially Hillary, obviously, how was she able to uh, circumvent 
being indicted on, uh, from what it would seem like, at least half a dozen things that she might be indictable for. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's the that's the story. How is she able to do this? Because she has, she has everybody paid off. The you know oh. Congress, the FBI, everybody's paid off in this thing. And, and the WikiLeaks is even telling you that that a lot of these folks are look. Well, some then of the stuff if that's, that's come the out. case, if that theory is correct, and the I love Conway guy from the the Conway guy from the FBI is completely on the pay, on the payroll for the uh, Clinton Foundation. Oh, homie, 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 that, that guy, yeah, the homie. Yeah, he's completely completely paid off by the well, foundation here's the weird part and i don't know how weird it is but you would think with the kind of ammo that the pubs have the repubs um that they'd be going ballistic that that the actual inner circle would be going ballistic trying to get hearings indictments etc cetera, etc cetera. but what you see is kind of these sort of b players going after it like uh Trent Gowdy, I think his name is, and that other guy with the curly Trey, hair. Uh, well, Trey Gowdy, actually, they're talking about making him uh, Secretary of State, or uh, yeah, was it Secretary of State or Certain General? I can't remember one or the other. Uh, if Trump wins, he's going to like give him some major office because of you know how hard he's worked. But here's here's the thing: of course, some of the main players are not going to be, you know, trying to push this thing forward and, and trying to push what the media is trying to cover up forward because some of the, even the Republican main players don't even like Trump. And part of the reason is because of the, what, the way he won the GOP nomination. You think the Bush family are happy with him? Jeb Bush was supposed to be the nominee. They, he went into this thing to be the nominee for the GOP. Trump came in and destroyed him, used the family issues, used 20, you know, 9-11. He used everything that he had against him, and he made him look like a fool. And he's done that to all these other people, like Senator uh, Rubio and uh, and Ted Cruz and all the other people that ran. Ben Carson was the only one that kind of like didn't look as bad. And it's funny enough, he's been supporting Trump ever since, and so has a couple of the other guys. But you're right, some of the major guys, main big names, are not supporting it because they really don't care. And a lot of them are also paid off by the Hillary uh, Foundation. It's very a lot of that's coming. Paul Ryan, for example, Paul Ryan is a complete sellout. They're they're calling for his job because of the way he sold out completely the Republican Party. That guy's a complete buffoon. Okay, okay, relax for a second. I think what you're bringing (sighs) up is is partially another part of the big story, which is the fracturing of the Republican Party. So it's basically just destroyed. It's just not coming out and saying, hey, we're destroyed. destroyed. It's not that it's destroyed, it's, it's becoming it's very apparent. No, not even that. It's just becoming very apparent that a lot of these guys are paid off, and these guys are just, they're playing the, the double agents. Paul Ryan has been in league with the Hillary people for months and months and months and months. In fact, that whole uh, that tape of him and the, uh, the Billy Bush talking about the uh, grab. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. That whole I, don't get, I don't want to get too far into that. But right, right. Real, real, real quick, real quick. That whole thing, they were sitting on there for months, for months and months and months, just waiting for the perfect time to, to release it. Well, what's wrong with Get, that, though? Well, I mean, no, 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 here, here's the thing. Hold on, here's the thing. Guess who was behind them holding it back? Uh, holding this, it back. Yeah, from not releing it until the perfect time. you say them, who are you talking about, them, the press? Oh, yeah. Rosie exactly. O'Donnell. No, not Rosie O'Donnell. That would have been <laughs> funny, though. That would have been <laughs> funny. Paul Ryan. I don't. I, I. I. Where are you getting that from? WikiLeaks. Look it up. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I have no reason to deny it. There's so many emails. It's hard to know. I thought that there was going to be a lot more uh, top-level investigative reporting on this, and and like as you bring up, it's not there. 
Um, I think most people at this point don't know what the hell to believe. They really don't. And that equals a stalemate. And at a stalemate, uh, that's exactly what she wants because uh, that's the best way to circumvent a lot of this gaining traction. However, uh, have you seen this story? I watched it right before the show tonight. And I'm trying not to laugh at this guy, but he's a Stony Brook professor. Okay. He has picked the correct president for like, you know, an eon. Right. He's an older chap. Chap. And he is 87%. He's got this system. 87% sure that Trump will win. And basically he's the only person out of all of the pickers, they call them, that claims this is uh, a done deal for, for Trumpy. So go figure. You know, and I it's agree. Really, it's all over the yeah. goddamn place at this point. It really is. Well, I think part of his theory is that there's people who – Firmly agree and want to vote for uh, Hillary Clinton, let's say, but they're not. They they might not well, even we, go out. You know and who vote. we should vote. You know who we should vote for, or should vote for a break, because we are seven minutes past the time, and we were rambling yeah. on about whatever. We need to get to a break. I decided to throw that out there. You can All right, that, that's a we can great idea. The honorable right, one. Why don't we do that? I'm going to fiddle with my microphone. Yeah, mm-hmm. please do that. Jesus, man, is it still is it still messing around? Nah, it's getting better. No, it's getting better. Okay, also. good. Then maybe I shouldn't touch it. I wouldn't. All right, let's take our break because I want to talk to Adrian Lee and I want to uh, and I want to find out what it, what it was like to play Batman. And I want to find out about uh, who we want to talk to. Is there anybody that we want to talk to the three of us before we bring him on, just so that we're coordinated? Oh, like we can channel and see if he can channel. Well, first? we can ask because no hurt. In, there's no part uh, hurt in asking, right? Yeah, I have oh, the exact no person I'd like to channel. You guys you, know who. You, yeah, I do, but yeah, I didn't I say it. So. Well, we'll sure. let Angel deal with that. Well, are you interested in that, Angel, or no? Yeah. Let's see if we could, uh, you know. So that's no, kind of where I'm steering the ship. That's where I wanted to steer the ship. I just, we didn't have any time to talk for tonight, and then I found out this, and I said, what a great uh, avenue for something like that if it's available. Okay. Let's do uh, it. All right. We're talking about Angel's mom who passed a while she, back. She, she, and he just, man, he just gave up. Give up the ghost, man. No, I didn't oh. give up anything because no, I didn't want to do it that way, Angel. I wasn't going to tell him find the person. Is that what you were trying to do? Yeah. No, I wasn't trying to do that. I, I, I was just going to. We have to like wanted to let the audience know. Well, the audience, I'm sure they, I'm sure yeah. they know. Not everybody yeah, knows, bud. Well, yeah, um, but it'll be a, a nice surprise. You just ruined the surprise. We're all over the world broadcasting. You know. Yeah. Be, uh, let's just let's go. Well, you ruined it, Jesus. Okay, well, should we pick somebody else? No, let's just go on break. <laughs> okay, we're going to go on break. We come back, we're going to be joined by Adrian Lee, experienced tarot card reader, clairvoyant, author, and ghost hunter for our spooky, cue the spooky Halloween music. Our spooky Halloween show, cue the spooky Halloween music, tonight on Youthanaut Radio on the PSN Radio Network. We'll be right back. Roswell, UFO, flying saucers, alien abduction, 
Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call key information solutions now. 954-9 That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Have you heard Mac Maloney lately? In your military career, did you ever see anything that came close to an unusual UFO sighting or... No. Holy sh! <laughs> that was the yeah. Yeah. ten seconds of uh, no. What are you? That tra- was so convincing. Yeah. What are you trying to say there? Well, UFO is an innocuous term. That's the worst fucking denial I've ever heard. And I flying Mac Maloney's Military X Files Friday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern on the public streaming radio network. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man. Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Infinite Radio, Monday night. Where else would you want to be? Jesse Randolph here with the Honorable Chris J. Brown and the Angel of Ufology, Angel Espino, back now with our October guest, our Halloween guest, a very special guest, by the way, um, English native, but not calling in from England. We will find out soon enough. Dr. Adrian Lee joins us. Welcome, doctor. How are you? It's very kind of you to have me here. Thank you. Well, the pleasure is all ours. This is your maiden voyage on the Euphonaut Radio, and welcome aboard. Uh, it seems as though you grew up in London, sir, and uh, why don't you explain to us how the heck you wound up in a crazy city like Minnesota? 
Yes, it's a very strange <laughs> yeah. tale. I'll try and keep it down to a couple of sentences. But ultimately, I grew up sure. in in London, and uh, all of my family—I've traced my family tree back as a historian to 1580—and they're still living in London. So I am a historian by trade. I studied history and art history to the highest level, and I was the founder of the International Paranormal Society, which is a worldwide global organization, non-profit to look for hauntings and to prove that there's an afterlife. And I came over here about eight or nine years ago now to work on some TV productions and some radio shows. And uh, ultimately, I got a book deal and uh, I do work on the radio now. And there didn't seem like any good reason to go back. So at the moment, you're stuck with me for the minute. <laughs> we like it. You know, it, it, there's just some sort of uh, there's a believability factor that gets raised through the tenor of your voice. So. Uh, you have that working for you for sure. But why don't we get into, first of all, you list a lot of abilities. Uh, you list a lot of clairvoyant uh, abilities. And so I guess my first question was, tell us about your ghost hunting experience and how you utilize that. And maybe if you could, I mean, we're talking about 2016 here, and it seems like you've been doing this for a long time. Perhaps you can tell us uh something that's really thrown you for a loop as of recent. Yes, you're absolutely right with your statement that if I say anything in an English accent, everyone will believe me. So I've that's, got that working for me before we start. But yes, you're it's right. It's the best I do. accent in the world, by the way. That's very kind of you. I'm sure my parents will be very happy to hear that. <laughs> I um, mm -hmm. started out, of course, I was clairvoyant from a very young age. So when I was small, I used to see an elderly lady moving around my bedroom and both my parents are scientists. My dad worked in a physics department at Queen Mary's College in London, and my mother worked in a biochemistry lab of a local hospital. So for someone like myself to have clairvoyancy and to see the afterlife, I'm sure I'm a constant disappointment to them. But I explained to my dad that I used to see an elderly lady wandering around my bedroom. And to cut a long story short, I didn't realize that when I was a couple of years old and I needed a big adult bed, rather than the little baby crib I had, my great-grandmother died, and they gave me her brand-new bed, and it was her deathbed, and I didn't know that. So I used to see my great-grandmother wandering around the room. So things started from an early age, and of course, like any clairvoyancy or anything along those lines, you don't really explore that greatly until you kind of leave the home. So when I went to university and I met like-minded people and I suddenly found an eclectic group of individuals that certainly started to grow but as a historian I was always very interested in studying the paranormal even outside of my clairvoyancy due to the fact that as a historian you're constantly working with secondary source materials so you're looking at bank details census, census records you're looking at death certificates old newspapers and it's all secondary source material because we don't have a time machine. We can't go back to 1860 and, and look at what it was like or ask people what it was like. But I realized progressively during my investigations throughout Europe that you can actually interview the dead through psychic means or through means of equipment. And that then allows you to have primary source material, which is just like asking your granddad what he did during the Second World War. So a lot of the work I do, the books I write, 
um, are based around bringing back history from the dead. It's history that's been long since forgotten that no one knew anything about. And I'm literally raising history from the dead because the information they give me, I then research and I find it to be true. So everything I write about is backed up with empirical evidence. And if a ghost tells me that the house was burning in 1904, I go to the 1904 newspapers and I find the article that says the house was on fire. So I'm bringing back history from the dead. Okay, uh, that's a great explanation. Can you go into some of the techniques? Like, for instance, I'm a big fan of Bashar. I love Bashar. And he's a channeler. And so he's got his whole shtick that he does. And I don't mean it to sound anything like uh, demeaning by any means, but he goes through this sort of uh, ritual, I'd say, when he uh, lets Bashar take over his body and him, his vessel, so to speak. Uh, can you discuss some of the techniques that you use when you want to start talking to, uh, I want to say, these folks, uh, these entities? Well, what I will say is that it's all to do with your design for life. Anyone can be psychic. Anyone can have skills. I do teach psychic development. I'm sure every single one of your listeners has experienced that moment where they thought of somebody and suddenly their name comes up on your phone because they've sent you a text. I'm sure everyone's had a moment where they've been lost in the car and suddenly they just have the instinct to do a left and that happens to be the right way. Everyone has a moment where they're looking to buy a house and they walk straight into the front yard and already they know instantly whether they're going to buy that house or not without even looking at the rest of the building. Moments where you get a sense of trauma and a sense of foreboding and heaviness and then you find out that a member of your family or a friend has had a tragic accident or has passed. So we all have these moments. It's just a case of having these moments more often. So your design for life plays a huge impact on that. A whole ghost of wildebeest could go charging through my lounge and if i'm sat there with a cup of coffee smoking cigarettes with a bag of doritos watching nascar i won't see them so you have to look introspectively you have to change the way in which you look inwards at what hey happened. did you have a did you spy on me this weekend adrian i am gifted but if i could spy on anyone um i'm sure there'd be others that would be on that list but it is it's true these things these things account for a lot of skills and you need to look inwardly at what you're getting but for me personally i'm gaining a lot of clairvoyancy i'm getting pictures presented to me maybe 80 percent of my skills is seeing things visually presented to me and i can get around i can get around certain things i hear voices as well and i have empathetic skills but also if someone's trying to give me a name i imagine for example magnets on a fridge door alphabet magnets and they're spelling their name out so there are things that i've devised over a period of time as almost like a shorthand for those that can present me with images to do that so i basically work clairvoyantly the interesting thing is that during my investigations and everything I do, I go into a building and I exercise my clairvoyancy and I get the names come through and I get the historical details that I want. We then turn on the equipment and it's the equipment that you will see on the TV shows. So with my team, the International Paranormal Society, I have the best investigators from all over the world that I cherry pick from other teams. They're tech experts, theologians, other psychics. And then all of the information we get psychically, whether it be me or other psychics on my team, then gets backed up empirically by the equipment, and it delivers the same messages, and it's actually recordable. You can hear those messages, and you can hear those conversations via EVPs. Sure, sure, sure. And and, and in fact, uh, it's funny you bring that up, because last night I checked out a film 
that if I'm sure you've probably seen already, but it was on Netflix. I think it was called The Dead Room. Uh, if you haven't seen this film, you definitely want to see it because it's all. Have you seen it? I haven't. No, actually, I haven't. Um, I'm not a big fan of horror films, actually, and films that are suspenseful. I, I spend my day doing this, so I actually want some downtime when I'm not poking sure. around. Sure. But I guess where I'm going with that, where I was going with that, is that I think the the public at this point they've had a good almost I would say ten plus years of seeing professional people like yourselves doing. Uh, haunting investigations via television 24 hours a day, right? So, like, in 2016, uh, I think, how do you up the ante for these folks as far you mentioned EVPs. EVPs have been tricky, um, I find, as as credible evidence, and I definitely wanted to challenge you on that a little bit uh, as far as maybe you could help us understand why these EVPs, uh, many of the ones that have come across my door here uh, at Euphonaut, have been very difficult to uh, to recognize. Uh, and, and have you run into that? Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. There's various classes of EVP, and we just deal in my organization with Class A EVPs. I need to play it back to you on the DVR, and if you can't hear it, we throw it away. We don't use mm-hmm. filters. We don't mess around with them. In my experience, if we go into a haunted building, we could come away with over 100 EVPs, and it sounds like I'm talking to you. And I want to give you one example of how this works, because no one else is doing this, and this is remarkable in my eyes. Is just as one example, in my latest book, I investigate a theater that's haunted called the Wheating Theater. It was built in 1912. It's a fabulous Art Deco theatre in Toledo, which is in Iowa, in Tamar County. We go into the basement. Psychically, I see a gentleman arrive. I can see him. He says his name is Peter. I turn on the shack hack. The shack hack says, when I ask who's there, Peter, Peter. I turn off the shack hack. Then, as an EVP, you hear him whisper, Peter, Peter. So in that five seconds, I've got psychic backed up with ghost box, followed by an EVP that all say the same things. That's three pieces of evidence. Then I go to the historical society. I look through all the census records for that town, and I discover that a gentleman called Peter Peters was one of the founders of that town, and I've got all of his records. So if you want to prove that there's an afterlife, you've got psychic, two pieces of empirical evidence from two separate pieces of equipment, followed by the historical research that's backed up with footnotes and bibliography. And that's very difficult to argue with. And you're bringing back history that had previously been lost to the knowledge of man. So my books, the book I've got sat in front of me now that came out this week, Mysterious Midwest, is a large book. It's 300 pages. It's 85,000 words, and it is crammed, packed, full of history that's been lost. And the only reason it's now been found and put back into the public's eye and back to the canon of uh, history of the Midwest is because the dead have told me about it. Now, that's very difficult to argue with because everything's been backed up with research, and I've proven these people to have existed. And the incidents that happen in the book and the things they tell me about, I've found. So that added extra dimension that you talk about is not only getting the psychic not only getting the empirical evidence but tying that up with a nice bow and actually finding that information and those incidents and those individuals when they've previously been lost so i find that a very powerful tool and i don't know of anyone else that's actually doing this at the moment no i was about to say that's a first for me because uh that's something that a mufon 
uh, type organization would demand, that sort of thing. And you're taking, you're going the extra mile. You're being very stringent with your protocol um, to, to, to be able to prove the, the, the history that you're bringing up. Now, are you just doing the Midwest? Or what are you working on right now, the, this, this book that you speak of? Well, the book that came out this week has been a, a three to four year project. It's called Mysterious Midwest, Unwrapping Urban Legends and Ghostly Tales from the Dead. And it's been my investigations in the Midwest for the last three to four years. And then, of course, all of the historical research. I've got lots of friends that write fiction. And I would love the idea of getting up in the morning, having a cup of coffee and a cigarette, knocking out 5,000 words and then going to take the dog for a walk. Unfortunately, I could spend two months in a damp, dusty, antediluvian basement and find just a sentence to use. So it has been a long project, but it's 18 historical sites across the Midwest. I've chosen the Midwest just because that's where I'm based, and right, it's, my, sure. it's my playground. So ultimately, the book is packed full of theories, full of ideas of how ghosts get around, how they manipulate energy, how they manage to manifest themselves. And basically, the historical sites are me then proving all of those theories and talking to them and interviewing them and actually finding out definitively what the afterlife is and what they're capable of doing and how they get around. And it's very interesting. You asked me 10 minutes ago what I'm working on at the moment that really is kind of cutting edge and unique. And I think yes. we'll probably have time during the course of this show. But the links I found between ufology and paranormal and ghosts is incredible. And my next book that I've written maybe 50,000 words of that should be available next year is called Ghosts and UFOs. Are they the same? So that's a very interesting book for me just because my background is in 20 years of investigating and writing about and experiencing ghosts and hauntings. And then my experience as an art historian seeing UFOs in early Renaissance art and doing lectures and talks for MUFON. And the two kind of come together in a perfect synthesis for me there. And that's a very exciting book with lots of interesting theories and ideas that are backed up with evidence that I don't think anyone's properly written about yet. Huh. So basically, without going into too much detail, because we have a lot to cover. Uh, are you making the distinction between euphonauts and ghosts as far as people just uh, misrepresenting what they're seeing uh, or, uh, and labeling them as something they're actually not and they're really the same thing? To um, just pick one aspect, have a think about how UFOs traditionally are seen. I've interviewed a lot of people. I've read a lot of books about abductees and people that have seen ufos and predominantly when you see a ufo it's often spoken about that it will appear in one place then appear in another it has a very zigzag kind of journey and a very zigzag kind of movement and if you're dealing with the idea of traveling over vast distances across galaxies and universe there are people like rudy shields the uh, professor at harvard that talk about dark matter and quantum physics but the idea now is that you think you want to be somewhere, so you are. So the idea is that abductees have said when they go on board a UFO, and I've got this backed up with, with, with information and uh, reference points, but they often see aliens standing in a circle around a console, and they're kind of holding hands or they're linked in some way. And several people have been abducted and said that they've been told, and if they think they want to be somewhere, the ship will actually take them there. So when you get that zigzag journey that zigzag formation if i said to you now think about going to walmart 
you think about being in Walmart or standing outside. You don't think of the journey, do you? So it's no. that sense that you're in one place, then you're in another, then you're in another. Now let's apply that to ghosts. Your bones are in the cemetery. You're up on a hill on the outskirts of town, yet you're haunting the basement of the local hotel. Would that not suggest that as a spirit, you have to think you want to be somewhere? So you are. And isn't that what UFOs are doing? Interesting. Yeah, these are, these are all um, these are all tidbits of information I haven't heard before. So that makes it very unique and intriguing to me. Uh, and then you mix that with your accent, and you're there, brother. You're just, well, there's you're all right, you're right there. You're uh, some of the people in the chat room think we're having a Doctor Who episode right now. Fantastic! I can wear a <laughs> scarf if that helps. <laughs> oh. Nothing else, just a scarf. <laughs> that wacky many, chat room. There's many other things we can discuss. I mean, ultimately, I've got the same equipment in my case as a paranormal investigator, as a ufologist of Scott. We've got the same data collection sheet. So what does that say? There's been moments. Ted Phillips has told me he's he's an expert on trace evidence, of course, that used to work on Project Blue Book. And he's told me of cases where there's been a UFO sighting and then the paranormal activity in that area has gone up and people have started seeing ghosts like it juices up an area for those spirits to have EMF to then allow them to be active. So there's that kind of link. There's moving by the sense of thinking you want to be somewhere. So you are. And by the way, if you're a ghost and you think you want to be somewhere, that means you have to know where that place is. So if you die and then a building gets built a year later, you cannot haunt that building because you do not know that exists and you can't think you want to be there. So if you knock every building down in your town, there will be no ghosts haunting those places because they can't think they want to be there to haunt it. Which is why if you think of a linear line of history, when we first climb out the trees as monkeys, and that was three million years ago, every haunting I've experienced in this country only dates back 150 to about 200 years. So why am I not seeing cavemen when we've been cavemen for millions and millions of years? Is it because they can't think they want to be somewhere because nothing exists anymore that they can think they want to be there? Yes. Well... Let's talk a little bit about uh, some of your peers. Uh, I think to the layman listening tonight, if they want to explore that, and I urge them to, uh, these connections that you're bringing up. But what I want to know tonight for the Halloween audience out there is we're watching all these shows for years now. To, to an expert, I would think that uh, – it would be frustrating to a certain degree, some of these programs, and uh, a refreshing some of them. So I guess I'm asking, Adrian, uh, I know you don't watch a lot of television, it doesn't sound like, but you, you, know, you must know your industry. You say you work in television a little bit. Who's doing it right? Who's doing it wrong? Uh, how can we pick out people that are uh, bogus? Um, I know of one program that is pretty much bogus only because I knew someone who worked on the production and I'm not going to say them, but the point is, is that you know, you get lost in the shuffle on this stuff, but we're seeing it 24 hours a day. So can you help us with that? I would say straight off the bat, my statement is that these are programs designed for entertainment. So that says everything in one sentence. These are programs that are solely for the benefit of entertainment and what i see on the television regardless of what show it is in whichever country they're generating entertainment and it does not reflect in any way shape and form what i do nothing 
I'm being shown on TV reflects anything that I do as a paranormal investigator and as a professional paranormal investigator with my team globally. Now, I'm not going to dismiss all of those shows out of hand because they're giving me a window of opportunity to have interviews like this, to be able to publish books, to have people listening to your show. So they've generated a genre. These shows have generated an audience. They've allowed people to discuss ghosts, talk about ghosts and ufology and suddenly bring it into the mainstream and make people aware of that. So I'm not going to knock that aspect. I think that's been very useful for me in opening the doors and having an acceptance that I can go into historical locations that no other teams can get into due to those um, origins. But I don't think there's a show that springs to mind that I think is getting it right because they're manufacturing EVPs. They need to have bigger and better hauntings every single time that show comes on. And I've spoken to several uh, members of very famous British TV shows, the one that started everything going back in the day. And I've spoken to the people that have actually been on that show and the historians. And there is an underlying feeling that they're just generating entertainment and it has to be bigger and better. And I think what's interesting is I think the general public gets it. You do not need to have a moment every single time that shows on. You do not need to have a paranormal contact or something happening. I think what they lose sight of is that they need They think they need to have something shocking and remarkable every single time. When in actual fact, I think the people that are watching these shows are intelligent. They realize that every time you go down into a haunted basement, there may not be activity. There may not be anything happening. And of course, if you have shows where very little is happening, when something does happen and it's genuine and it's really paranormal contact, that is so much more impactful. And I think they've lost sight of that. I think they don't need to keep topping themselves each time to have a better and better show. So to answer your question, I think those shows allow me to have a voice. They allow me to have access into buildings. They've allowed the general public to have this in their psyche and their consciousness. Are they providing useful documentation of the afterlife? No, I think the history is made up. I know as a historian, there's various shows, the most famous ones and the biggest ones aren't doing historical research. It's all oral history or stuff that's been made up or stuff that's not been cross collaborated or worked on they don't go to the local historical society they do not spend weeks going through historical documents they go into that building they're there for a day or two they have a student camera crew with them that they've recruited from the local university film studies club and they're in and out in two or three days i really wish there was a show on the television that reflected my books where you have proper paranormal contact that's actual documented that has proper evidence proper evps proper video footage and then backed up with history i think television production companies think that history is boring and history is dull but we can only judge the present by what's left to us from the past and that's a very powerful tool and something we need to embrace absolutely and it's funny you say that because you're right it's become very passe with uh, expectations and to one-up each other on these programs and it's not necessarily their, their fault. It's just the medium that they're in. And this is what is expected each season, which is, you know, what are the ghost hunters going to do this time? What kind of craziness is going to happen? Uh, at one point, they switched styles and they started to um, 
antagonize spirits. That was sort of the shtick that they were running with. Uh, and I don't keep up to date on all of them, but I do try to catch them when they're on uh, sometimes. And so I thought that, well, that must be uh, not a good thing to do, you know, not professional. Uh, but getting back to your point, I think it would be fantastic. To, and that's what I'm trying to do on the show tonight. I talked to you about this is draw some of the distinctions between real investigation and what we're seeing and what we're bombarded with on television. So let's break it down if we can a little granular. Uh, for instance, the equipment that we see on most of these programs. I mean, I could sit here and rattle off all the stuff I see, but I think you know what I'm talking about. Is any that stuff, is that stuff accurate? Is it is it not accurate as far as what they're trying to collect? I will come on to that. Just as one last statement, you know that the genre of paranormal investigating on the television is in trouble when you have a paranormal show where there's two quiz teams trying to battle it out in a haunted building to see who gets the best help me EVP. But you don't actually help the spirit. You just win points for someone getting a great EVP that says help me. And then you have another show where they find as many models that are very chesty and very kind of uh, hourglass looking and they throw them in there as bait. And you know that the genre of paranormal ghost hunting is dead on the tv at that point to answer your question um a lot of the equipment the dvr is amazing you have to record it it's no good catching a giant fish if you haven't got a camera to record you catching a giant fish so when we go into these buildings it's important that we have audio equipment so dvrs are invaluable and the cheapest ones are the best if you buy the cheapest dvr you can find it doesn't have filters on it that filters out all the background noise and all the hissing. We want all of the rubbish. So the cheaper, the better. Certainly in terms of a ghost box, I really like the earlier devices. They're very difficult to get hold of now. But the ones that produce white noise and scan, for me personally, and each investigator will have their favorite piece of equipment. If the house was on fire, I'd certainly run in to rescue my collection of uh, ghost boxes and so I find that a very, very useful tool. The thermal imaging devices are useful for cold spots. I've actually got photographs of a ghost dog being petted by one of my investigators. And you can see a blue outline of the ghost dog that wow. he's petting. That's the Edinburgh Manor in Iowa that took place. So that's a useful tool for sure. The new SLS camera where you see little stick figures running around. I've actually found that to be useful as well, because when I've asked ghosts to actually do things, I'm seeing a stimulus and response reaction to that. So, for example, I did an investigation in an old pioneer school in Redwood Falls in Redwood County, Minnesota, and I asked the ghost child in the schoolroom to wave at me. And I can see on the SLS camera that he's actually waving to me. And I've seen three ghostly figures walking down a corridor that i can see as stick figures on the sls camera and over my shoulder there's an investigator with a thermal imaging camera and i'm seeing three blue humanoid figures as well so those two bits of equipment are backing each other up so again i find that to be a useful tool as well both of those things the thermal imaging which you can get on a phone now you can get that uh, many years ago used to be able to get a thermal imaging camera that was sort of three, $4,000. But you can actually buy a device called a FLIR now that plugs into your phone and you can have the whole works for sort of $200, which is remarkable. So that's a very useful what, tool as what, well. Adrian, what about the, um, the laser grids I'm seeing on some of these programs sometimes? I, I, I'm not describing it right, but it looks like a grid of laser light. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. The only use for that is it's like a shotgun. So if I see a movement in a dark room, rather than having a single beam of a flashlight, I can press the laser grid pen and it lights up the entire room like a shotgun, almost like my granddad during the Second World War when he's posted in the jungle. And the first thing he does is saw the end of his shotgun because all he's going to get is the movement in the foliage and he wants to spray a large area but they're very useful in terms of setting up an infrared camera if you're setting up a static camera in a controlled area and everything's locked down to put one of those laser pen grids on that environment you can see any shadow figure or anything that breaks the beam so as a tool i don't use it very often but it does it does have a place it is useful in some circumstances with a lot of the equipment it's a case of using certain pieces of equipment in certain circumstances i wouldn't use one piece all of the time you go into the environment you judge what's required because i've been into the cargo freighters i've been into old cargo freighters on lake superior i've been into lighthouses i've been on battlefields from the sioux uprising i've been into old schoolhouses wow. yeah you know different circumstances different locations different equipment but certainly all of the things I just mentioned would be very useful tools. There are one or two bits of equipment that I kind of raise my eyebrows and I think, is that really working? Is that really giving me the information I need? An ovulus would be a good example of that. Most of the time, that's spitting out rubbish and nothing that's relevant. But every now and then, something comes up on that device that makes you think, huh, that was stimulus and response. How did that just come up? That was the word I used or the, the answer to the question. So that has a very poor hit rate, and it's not something that's the first thing I want to turn on in a haunted location. But it does back up. That's more of a piece of equipment for me that backs up other things. If I've got a DVR saying, you know, there's a fire, there was a fire here. If I then have the ghost box and I have a gentleman come through that says there was a fire there, if the ovulus then says the word fire, then that becomes a useful piece of equipment but on its own it's certainly something that i would want to be backed up with other things now you keep bringing up the ghost box a good friend of mine anthony sanchez has created uh like an app version of a ghost box i think and he's been it's it's interesting because he kind of got sucked in from the ufology uh, arena into this full-time and i believe it's doing quite well for him uh, but when he showed it to me, I really didn't know what to make of the damn thing because uh, I didn't know how it worked. And now I'm seeing that it's become a very popular tool, and it was even in this film the other night uh, being utilized. Uh, it sounds like you're a proponent uh, and you've had positive experiences with this gadget. Absolutely. I've had 25-minute, 30-minute conversations with dead people via that device in the same way I'm talking to you now. And this wow. isn't stuff that's new. I mean, Edison was messing around with the idea of the telephone to the dead. So this isn't new technology. This has been around for a 100 years. And some ghost box work better than others. There's an SB7, for example, that I don't have much luck with, but other investigators on my team seem to get a lot of good information out of that. But it all makes perfect sense. I mean, you're generating a white noise. It's almost like, I'll tell you what it's like. When you're using a ghost box, it's almost like you get a ransom note where it's using individual letters, individual words from various places to put together a ransom note. So imagine someone's cut out individual words from a newspaper, pasted it all together on a letter, and you're reading that. So it's picking stuff from all over the place. And you've got this meta-narrative 
of voices coming through underneath that as well. And a lot of what I've been doing certainly works with the ghost box very well. It would be the first piece of equipment I would grab if someone said to me, you're only allowed to have one piece of equipment with you. But it's fairly new, correct? I mean, it's it's not an uh, an old tool as far as uh, I hadn't seen it on the scene, quote unquote, uh, from what I'd been monitoring. Is Is it fairly new or... No, I've, I've, I was using one of them back in Europe, certainly from maybe 2004, 2005 onwards. So it's been around in some shape or form for at least 10 years or more because you used to be able to get a – sometimes it's called a shack hack because originally it was a radio, a, a very cheap $12 radio, AM, FM radio from Radio Shack. And when you bent the wires and you did bits and pieces to the chips inside, you could make it scan constantly without stopping so it was called a shack hack because you're hacking a radio shack radio well they become ah. incredibly expensive it was 12 dollars back in the day if you go online now and look on ebay they sell for four or five hundred dollars because radio wow. shack doesn't exist anymore there will be no more so it's become a very expensive tool and various people build them there's the ghost arc there's the sb7 you can get all different types but that is been a piece of equipment that's been around for a fairly long time based on my experiences it's not it's not new what about adrian what about a uh, quick story i'm in first year college in new jersey madison new jersey beautiful place and i'm doing terribly and one night it's cold and rainy and there's a lecture going on i go to the lecture it's these two old people uh older couple talking about uh, spirits and ghosts and their adventures and uh, a lot of snickers in the audience these kids and then they just started talking about ouija boards and how you need to burn them and you cannot use them and not to mess around with them uh, long story short the the name of the couple i found out later because i saw their film the conjuring were the warrens and so i thought that was really funny but then i, I wanted to ask an expert like yourself uh, I mean, the, the Warrens were really adamant about it during the lecture. How do you feel about uh, a layman trying to utilize things like Ouija boards and ghost boxes and trying to kind of be an amateur and having fun with that? Well, firstly, the ghost boxes and all the equipment I use aren't like a Ouija board, because with a Ouija board, you're asking something to come through you to move the planchette around. So you're saying whatever's out there, I don't have a filter. You can jump in me. I don't care who you are, where you've come from. You can come into me and I can move the planchette on your behalf. That is not what you want to be doing. The ghosts are communicating me through the equipment and they're communicating to me by delivering me pictures and whispering and talking in my ear. At no point are they coming anywhere near me in terms of possessing me or taking me over? So all the equipment and all of the psychic skills aren't anything like a Ouija board because I'm not opening myself up to any random person, spirit or demonic entity that happens to be roaming through. I would disagree with them. You are not meant to burn them because once you've burned them, you've set the spirits free. What you need to do if you want to dispose of them is either bury them or throw them into a lake. But I certainly would never, ever use a Ouija board. I've done radio shows um, in the Midwest for the last 10 years where we do call-ins and no one has ever called in to any of my radio shows in the last 10 years and said to me, I've done a Ouija board. I've met the woman of my dreams. I've come into a lot of money. I couldn't be healthier. I've got a fabulous job and everything's going great. They call yeah. in. 
They call in and say, we've done the Ouija board. My life's ruined. My wife's left me. I've got this wrong. <laughs> yep. The dog's floating. There's blood coming out of the walls. Can you help me? Because I agree. There's no filter. You don't know what's coming into you. You don't know what's there. It's a ridiculous thing to be doing when you consider that statement, right? Well, yeah, when you consider the consequences, if you're taking it seriously, if you're not, it's just this Parker Brothers piece of cardboard. But And I have to, I stand corrected. You're right, Adrian, because you're an expert. They said to bury it, not burn it. Oh, there we go. They're, they're definitely... They're definitely on the right line. It's interesting. The Conjuring 2, of course, was based on the poltergeist in Enfield in North London in 1977. So that's very interesting that the latest film that the Warrens were involved in, uh, even though they were there for sort of half a day, um, was based on poltergeist activity in North London that was reported on the BBC back in 1977. And what's very interesting, throughout the history of ghost hunting, the only thing that's changed is the equipment. Back in the 1930s, when you've got Henry Price investigating Borley Rectory, he's using magnetic tape. Then you've got the idea of, uh, you know, the BBC going to Enfield in 1977 with pretty similar equipment, to be honest. And now we've got digital DVRs and we're still recording. We're still doing the same things. The only thing that's changed is the technology. And isn't it interesting that you could argue we're no further down the road of knowing what ghosts and hauntings are or UFOs are when all the equipment has caught up with our knowledge. You always say, don't you, that knowledge comes first and science always comes second and follows second. And so far, science, despite everything that's happened in the last 20 years and modernity, hasn't actually caught up with our wisdom yet, has it? No, no. And I, I kind of bitch and moan about that a lot. And I guess... One question I had about the technology, and I want to move on from it, it was that, you know, 2016, we have a lot of really cool gadgets in the, in the ghost investigation field for sure. And I'm a, I'm a gadget guy for sure. To someone like you, uh, think down the road 10, 20, how about 20, 25 years into the future? If you could have something in your arsenal, what are you looking towards uh i wish they would come out with blank i'm not sure i want them to come out with this but i think what will happen eventually is that we will design some sort of containment system where we'll be able to capture a ghost because ghosts are energy it requires energy to move light switches on and off it requires energy to open doors to turn faucets on to leave footprints off you know or to leave the sound of footsteps in a hallway requires energy and energy dissipates so over a period of time those ghosts will slowly fade and slowly disappear and perhaps turn into shadow figures because they can't properly manifest themselves i think what's going to happen in the future is we're going to be able to give them energy we're going to be able to juice them up we could earth a ghost we could ground a ghost and kill it if we wanted to based on that theory and i wonder based on what we were talking about 20 minutes ago with ufos i wonder in the future whether we capture ghosts or we manage to utilize them, where we suddenly think to ourselves, we know now how ghosts get around. They think they want to be somewhere, so they are. And I wonder if someone sits down and thinks, would it be fabulous to have a piece of technology that we can walk into like a vehicle and we think we want to be somewhere, so we are. So we're utilizing ghost technology by sort of working out what they're doing. And isn't it always the way with science 
that you see what nature is doing and you analyze biochemistry and you suddenly find pharmaceuticals and you work on things that you see nature doing. I wonder in the future if we don't realize how ghosts and spirits get around, we then create something artificial and scientific that allows us to do that. And at that point, you've invented a UFO. Wow. Heavy. Heavy. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense as technology progresses. Uh, you know, sometimes you, you describe this scenario, uh, someone sitting out on their couch watching NASCAR eating Cheetos, and they're not going to notice lots of stuff. And I used to uh, talk about a similar analogy when, you know, people don't have time to look up because they, of course, they're not going to see UFOs if they don't look up, and they don't look up very often, especially in the cities. So it's very interesting. Uh, let's move away from technology for a little bit, and let's talk about uh, folks. You say you do a lot of radio, Adrian. You're still doing radio? I do, yeah. I have a lot of interviews. Of course, around Halloween, everyone wants to talk to a paranormal investigator. So come November, I'll be sat here in the dark, and my telephone won't be ringing, and no one will want me. Like Santa Claus in January, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, but I the have. Season. It is. So I'm not going to complain about that, of course, but I do have a radio show um, every Friday night at 8 p.m. Central Time. I have a show called More Questions Than Answers. It's on the Dark Matter Digital Network. It is the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. So we look at the week's news. I have a panel of experts with me and it's funny. It's a comedy show. It's a comedy quiz show about the week's news of the paranormal and it's incredible we have 190 countries listen to us on our archives alone we have a hundred thousand listeners a week it's remarkable we talk about modern technology here's me sat in the barren wastelands of minnesota with people from france brazil vietnam listening to my show and i don't know whether to be happy or not because when i started this endeavor three years ago it was meant to be a serious quiz show about the paranormal and now we've transcended the subject matter, people want to listen because apparently I'm funny. Who knew? It's, so, it's so the accent, brothers, the accent. It's the accent. You're doing like this Monty Python thing. I, I can I can dig that. In fact, I'm going <laughs> to tune in this Friday because um, uh, that sounds really good. Well, uh, I promised but, to be funny. But I promised to be funny. Okay, we ran spots for the first show actually for about a year and a half, Jesse. Yeah. Uh, oh, fantastic. Yeah, uh, good show. I wanted to get into something that is more serious, if I can. And when I was on uh, local radio here in Portland, I had a gentleman named Steve Godfrey, and he had a program called The Other Side with Steve Godfrey, where folks would call in, and yep. he would talk to their deceased loved ones. Okay? Uh, I want to know what you think about that. I want to know your opinion on it, on not only a guy like Steve Godfrey or – John Edwards, per se, or some of these folks that can talk with people's uh, relatives. I find that it can be very healing, uh, but I don't know if it's legitimate. And it's always great to get someone's opinion like yourself. It's like any profession. You're going to get good plumbers and you're going to get bad plumbers. And I have come across people that are basically making it up and people that I would consider to be wanting to make a fast buck from people's grief and people's misery and so you need to be careful you need to reference you need to find out you know who's gone to them and ask them questions and see on their walls and what kind of responses they get from the general public um john edwards i've never met personally but i've seen his work and i've heard him talk 
and he works in a very similar way to me actually i'd like to chat with him at some point because what he says and how he says he gets things is very similar to me so he's he's an interesting person and i believe that he's getting that right um i think what you need to do i don't advertise that i'm a psychic because i get work through word of mouth i never need to advertise i've got a full week of readings where i'd contact people's deceased relatives and let's face facts if you were a bad plumber you wouldn't have any work because you would ruin a few people's basements and kitchens and bathrooms and then you wouldn't get work again or very rarely get work if you call a psychic and they say to you yes i'd love to put you in contact with your grandmother you're going to have to wait three weeks i'll pencil you in for the middle of november that is brilliant that is what's required because you do not want to visit a psychic who's not busy so that would be the key to that but i don't know these individuals personally but there are some you know that i look at and think yeah you're you're making that up i know you're making that up and i would tell you that at expos i do a lot of expos and i do a lot of events around the midwest um psychic and wellness events what tends to happen is that all the people that are actually getting it and know how it works and are at the top of their game all hang out together and we chat and we're friendly and we hug one another and we discuss stories and we have a cup of coffee together all the people that are blagging it as i would say in britain making it up not at the top of their game all hang out together as well because they're legitimizing each other you know if everyone hangs out together we can say we're all you know doing the right things so just be aware of who the people are hanging out with have a look at their references see how busy they are talk to people that have had readings and as i said before all of my work is through word of mouth i never advertise on any of my social media sites my readings that i do because you do a good reading for somebody the first thing they're going to do is tell 10 other people and so that builds a huge client base sure of and, course uh, is very effective so without discussing individuals on how good or how bad they are that would be a good yardstick for anyone listening that was thinking of getting a reading fair enough and uh this is something that you do currently correct yeah absolutely as you said at the beginning of the show i have many strings to my bow and uh author yes. radio host psychic ghost hunter comedian apparently i uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm led to believe i'm funny doctor I who look alike <laughs> <laughs> well wait that a minute okay. true. Now, let Let's stay serious here for a moment. Uh, so without putting you on the spot, because we have never talked before, correct? That is correct, sir. Right. Uh, would it be possible for you to do a reading for somebody on the phone right now? It could be possible if I actually had anything with me. I would want to prepare myself. Normally, before I do any readings, I'd want to meditate. Because if I'm getting things clairvoyantly, I'm obviously trying to clear my mind because if i'm getting pictures i don't want that to be muddied by my own thinking so when you meditate before reading you're trying to create a clear slate so you don't have any other thoughts in your mind except the thoughts that you're being given by a spirit and a buddhist would say that when you meditate you know your monkey jumps from branch to branch and you're just trying to get your monkey to sit still now my brain's spinning we've been chatting for an hour we've discussed everything from psychics to equipment to ghosts to ufos so ultimately i'm not in a position to receive that information but if we have a break 
um, in the show at some point, I can go and get my tarot cards and I can use that as a way to give someone a quick reading if that's what they would require. I'm not going to be able to access their grandmother at this moment in time, but I can certainly access their spirit guides and work through the cards to give them just a couple of minutes of information if that's something you're interested in. Uh, panel, are we interested in that? Audience? Sure. I mean, sure. That, that would be fantastic. So why don't we do that? Why don't we take a break and you tell us uh, when we come back if and like I said, this is not a pressure situation. Sure, no, I've, I've, I've no there problem with doing to this. Be oh. Somebody on our panel that I'd love you to do that for, and if you could. And so why don't we take the break? And when we come back, Angel, you ready to do a break? Absolutely, yes, yeah. sir. Okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to let Adrian get his equipment. And get his head on straight, hopefully. And we'll be back uh, right after these words from not our sponsors. You're listening to Euphonaut Radio on a Monday night here on the PSN Radio Network. species reported by American and British citizens. 
and hundreds more unreported in 2007. Suppressed information about collisions with passenger aircraft and UFOs that has been kept from the public knowledge for years. And only one trusted source on information from some of the top UFO researchers in the world. Exclusive information that cannot be found anywhere else on the planet. Trusted. Connected. Accurate. The UFOStore.com. Expand your personal library with fast shipping and instant downloadable information from the largest selection of UFO products on the internet by going to theufostore.com or call on the 24-hour, 7-day-a-week order line at 541-523-2630. The truth is out there, and theufostore.com has it. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California Gold Rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. The George Rodriguez Show. Who? I said the George Rodriguez Show. You don't know George Rodriguez? Wasn't he the guy that filled in for Neil Rogers? Three years. That George Rodriguez. What's he like? Oh, he's a short little Cuban fella. Kind of funny looking. Well, when's he on? 12 to 3, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on SoFloRadio.com and SoFloRadio.net. The George Rodriguez Show is much more than adequate. Now, Euphonaut Radio on a Monday night. Jesse Randolph on the mic with the panel, the Honorable Chris J. Brown, and the angel of ufology, Angel Espino, back now with our guest, Mr. Adrian Lee. And he has been fantastic so far. We're learning a lot about technology and science and history, which is not boring, by the way. But what we're going to do now, and this is something that is spontaneous and it's why we do the show and it's why we have very limited commercials is that we can do experimentation and there's a lot of this I want to do coming up but what I had asked Adrian again I've never spoken to this gentleman before I just asked if he'd be willing to do some reading uh, cold obviously for someone who has lost someone here on our panel and uh, with that really I want to kind of give it to you Adrian and say what do you need uh, from us as far as uh, information, and we can go from there. It's very interesting that I don't need a great deal of information because I don't want any thoughts to muddy 
my thinking and muddy my clairvoyance. So, again, it's a good idea sometimes to work out which are the clairvoyants and psychics that are doing a good job and which ones aren't. Because I said before the break that it's useful to meditate to clear your thoughts out. So under those circumstances, the least I know about the person, the better it is because I'm not muddying my thinking by already yep. knowing about their history and their past. Um, are they are the person I'm doing a reading for? Are they actually on air at the moment? Yes, uh, they are. So who, who just come forward and say hello to me? Who? Let's just say hi. Hi. It's hello. Me. Perfect. Okay, that's all I need. I just need to make a connection. I did say earlier that a lot of my work is in terms of contacting deceased loved ones, and without proper preparation, with all the things I've had to answer this evening, um, it would be almost impossible for me to bring that information to the fore. But if I use my tarot cards, I can use the spirit guides to deliver the messages without me doing anything other than interpreting the cards so i can actually do that now and stuff may come through um outside of that in terms of dead people if you like but i'm just going to start turning cards over and see where we are here um what's very interesting is that this requires you the first card i turn over is the knight of wands and the knight's a very interesting character i think as an individual you're best working on your own or you've certainly been through a period of time where you can handle things on your own because the knight plows a lone furrow they go from kingdom to kingdom without you know necessarily settling in one place or having a big band of people around them so this is a card of proactivity and the deck i'm using at the moment is a deck that is a German Renaissance deck, and it dates back to 1492. It's called the Narrenschiff, which is the Ship of Falls, and it was designed by Dürer, the famous German Renaissance artist. So a lot of the themes are medieval and to do with the Renaissance period. But this is a time, I believe, for you where you're working on your own. Everyone seems to have been removed, um, and you feel like you're plowing a lone furrow. But this is proactivity. You're drawing your sword. You're going to get what you want because the night has a very blinkered view. He doesn't see peripheral things. He just sees what's in front of him, and he draws his sword, and he goes and gets it. So I'm telling you now that you need to be proactive, and you need to work out what it is you want, and actually draw your sword, put your armor on, and actually go and get those things, because they're not going to fall on your lap. And there is a sense of being stoic and being strong and being confident. One of the things I would say is that because the knight wears armor, there's no sense of a filter. You've got your armor on at the moment because you don't want bad things to happen to you. So you've basically put armor on to just protect yourself because you've had a run of perhaps bad things happening to you in life. The trouble with wearing armor is it doesn't filter just the bad things. It filters the good things as well. So you need to ask yourself at this moment in time, do you want to keep your armor on? And do you want to then go through life where you're not feeling bad things, but you're not feeling good things either? It's blocking out everything. And for me personally, life is about having moments of terrible sadness, moments of terrible depressions, terrible shocking things happening to you. But it's also about having the most wonderful moments, the most incredible times, the most exuberant moments in life. And you're meant to have those moments of low and you're meant to have those moments of high. If I said to you now, would you prefer to go through life without feeling good or bad? Or would you rather go through life feeling good and bad things? I think it's the time to start peeling your armor off and start realizing that, yes, bad things will happen to you. But you're stopping good things happening to you as well. And even the knight takes his armor off 
when he goes to sleep in an evening. And Shakespeare, of course, said it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. So with this card, you are working on your own. You are going to have to deal with these things on your own, but you have the tools to do that because you've done it before and we're here and we're chatting and you've come through it. You need to work out what it is you want. You need to be proactive. Go and get those things. Be stubborn. Be bloody minded. But be aware that you're not going to experience good things in your life if you're putting on armor that blocks good and bad things. And you might want to start peeling that off. The good news is that you do have things in abundance. I think you need to realize that if you're proactive, or perhaps just a case of taking your helmet off and looking around you, you do have things in abundance. There are a lot of things that are working for you, and you do have love in abundance. You do have things that you need. And you do have a Mercury Messenger card here. The Page of Wands is a individual or a gentleman that says you've got good news coming to you. So despite this sense that you're going towards your goals despite the fact that you're wearing armor there is good news wrapped around this and i'm nosy and i want to see what that is so let me turn over a card again there's a suggestion that you have love in abundance i wonder if the things that have happened to you recently have made you realize how loved you are when people have stepped forward to help you and you've kind of found out who your friends are and who's around you to actually help you out because your cup runneth over with love you're almost drunk with love so you may not realize it but if you was to pass tomorrow you would have a lot of people that would miss you you would leave a hole in a lot of people's lives and if you were dead and you were looking on as a ghost at your funeral you would see a lot of unhappy people and be surprised by the amount of emotive response you get from those individuals where you don't realize perhaps how much you mean to individuals i just want to have a look briefly at your future before we move on you're best suited in life in the future to being very calm being very stoic not responding like for like a lot of people will want to come at you and they'll be shouting they'll be swearing they'll be bullying you try and remain calm try and respond to all that in the future like a duck where you're very calm on the outside but everything's going on under the water and underneath the surface the people that shout at you the people that abuse you the people that will want to bully you are very good at doing that and if you respond like for like, if you bark at a dog, it barks back, you will lose because they're better at swearing and better at shouting and screaming than you are. So your best response to winning things in life against those type of individuals is to remain calm. Don't respond to that. Work in the shadows. Don't react. Don't give them what they're looking for. And that's how you're going to win. And that's how you're going to come through. Um, your spirit guide, your main spirit guide's a man. This is a very masculine feeling individual. And the things that travel through these cards certainly have a very interesting paternal feel about that. So I would suspect, without going into an hour-long reading or digging too far further into that, um, I would suspect that this individual that's giving me this information would be a very paternal figure for you, almost like a grandfather figure. Um, or someone that you would have um, liked and looked up to when you were younger that had a role within your life of being an elder gentleman if you like so um, if you want to ask me a question I'm more than happy to answer questions for you and uh, perhaps you can respond to that and let me know what you think well it's possible that it could be my grandfather but I never really had a relationship with him uh, he passed away when I was very young and uh, I was in a different country he was uh, in Cuba and I was here in, in Miami Florida so I didn't really have a connection or a relationship with him 
but I do remember speaking to him on the phone several times, and I've always grown up, you know, wanting to have had that relationship with my grandfather that I never had. So I, I would say, if you didn't have that much to do with him, he would be the perfect candidate for a main spirit guide. Because the trouble with having relatives, close relatives, as your spirit guides, is they only want good things to happen to you. They're not very objective. And of course, you know as well as I do that you have to go through life having bad and good things happen to you. So normally your grandmother or your mother is kind of pushed to the side a little bit so there can be more objectivity. If you're telling me that you didn't have too much to do with him and um, he died... Sadly, I didn't, I didn't have anything to do with either one of my grandparents on either side. Right. So I, in, in many I, grew up with, I grew up without grandparents because I was in a different country. So Well, that would be a perfect um, person to have as a spirit guide because they would be objective but still be looking out for you. So... I would suggest that would be the case, to be honest, based on what you've just told me. Okay. Um, right. I have a question. Um, sure. Is there a female um, at all that's you know, trying to uh, make contact? Based on a five-minute reading um, that I quickly grabbed my cards, I didn't get the sense of that. I think that what you needed to hear there came from your grandfather paternal figure. And I think any other spirits at this moment would just stand on the periphery and just let me get on with it, rather than me sat here for two hours listing every relative and friend that you've lost in your life. So to answer your question, no, I, I don't get a sense of that. But perhaps if I'm better prepared and you have me on again, I could certainly access deceased relatives and uh, dig a bit deeper into that for you. But no is the answer to that. I'm just getting um, an elderly more paternal type figure coming through with this information at the moment elderly and it's definitely male absolutely this is this is feeling very masculine very paternal all the way through this yeah yeah that sounds i mean masculine very masculine it sounds like my father's uh, father my grandfather on my dad's side he was very masculine butch type of guy that's the sort of thing. There is a sense of unsubtlety about that. You're almost getting a half-time team talk where he's saying, what are you doing? Get on with it. Draw your sword. Get stuck in. Put your armor on. Do you know what I mean? There's a real kind of matter-of-fact, kind of masculine, get-on-with-it type of approach, even though the information's relevant and it's what you need to hear. There is a feeling underneath that, a meta-narrative running through that I would suggest feels like that kind of figure to me. Well, I don't know exactly what I'll say i got to get to, but uh sounds like my grandfather. The other thing I would say is that the first card we drew was a knight card, and the knight okay. represents travel. I mean, you can't get beyond the fact that knights travel from country to country. I've done a lot of traveling. I, that I have done. I know, and to back up your statement about your grandfather being in another country, the knight card yeah. would represent a lone masculine figure traveling on his own and being in many countries, because that's what the knight does. He goes to the Crusades. He's very rarely at home. Richard the Third, um, sorry, Richard the First, Richard the Lionheart, you know, went off to the Crusades, and I think was only in Britain for a couple of weeks. And uh, we all know the story, of course, of Robin Hood, where King John takes his place because Richard's off in the Crusades. So the knights are very rarely at home, and that sense of travel, that sense of him being in another country, was the very first card I laid down. So it's very multi-layered. There's a lot we could look at just based on four cards there. Yeah, no, you know what? It's kind of funny you, you laid that card because I do a lot of traveling now to conventions. I'm going to doing a lot more of that. Uh, and I usually go by myself and meet people there, but on the way there, I'm usually by myself and it's outside 
my home and my city, my state. Uh, a lot of them are gonna, some of them might be even out of the country in the next couple of years. Uh, so that's a lot of stuff I'm going to be doing traveling like the night. Yeah, just take on board that you need to work out your goals and aims and actually go and get them and be proactive. If you take anything away from this reading, just remember a sense of proactivity at the moment and plowing a lone furrow and getting on with it and you have the tools. But also remember that you have things in abundance and don't lose sight of the fact that we can spend 90% of our energy and time worrying about 5% of the problems. You know, if you listed all the things that are going well for you, it would be a couple of sheets of paper. And if you list all the things that are going badly, it would be a couple of sentences. But it appears that all your energy is focused on the things that are going bad rather than looking at all the things that are actually going well. And we just need to change your paradigm and your way of thinking to make you realize that you need to count your blessings. And you do have a lot of things going in yeah, your Angel. Yeah, I know you guys love me. Come on now. Yeah, turn right. <laughs> well, gentlemen, I, I, you know, that was a fantastic wanna, reading, by the way. It really was. Like, hey, I have clap, to admit. And clap, and clap, please, gentlemen. Thank you, thank you, uh, Adrian. Thank you for doing that on the spot like that. By the way, yeah. my uh, pleasure. You know, I have nothing to hide, and uh, I'm honest with everything I do. And ultimately, you know, I have no fear, so I'm happy to do that. I know they would come through. I knew they would work for me because I've been doing it for 20 years, and it's been on the money every single time. And the day I do it and it doesn't work, I give up and do something else because, you know, as a Christian, I believe that I'm getting those messages and I'm being given the opportunity to help people. So that's without fear. That's without a sense of uh, worry. I knew it would deliver and i knew it would be there because otherwise i'd be a con artist otherwise i'd be making it up right well i guess i guess that's one of the, i mean if you tried your hardest and you just didn't connect you didn't connect and i don't think the reason and the atmosphere that you came into tonight uh in doing this reading everyone really has very open minds so um, they're not looking to trip you up or anything like that and i would think that that would be very difficult sometimes uh have you had a client and then we really were going to run out of time but have you had a client uh in this 20-year journey uh where they were just absolutely difficult and they were questioning you on everything and they were trying to sort of trip you up without picking on any individuals the worst scenario for me and it's happened many times and anyone who's a psychic who does gallery readings will be aware of this as you stand up in an auditorium with 300 people there and you say i'm getting someone coming through his name's richard he was a fighter pilot during the second world war he lost his left leg he has a pickup truck it was blue there's a gun rack on the back he owns a horse he's got a pink eye he's got a shock of white down its nose and there's silence not a single person steps up and you're standing up at the front looking like an idiot lo and behold you carry on you battle through and at the very end when everyone's chatting and everyone's going home someone will come up to you without fail and say i had an uncle richard he was a fighter pilot during the Second World War. He had a blue pickup truck with a gun rack on the back. He had a horse with a pink eye and a white shock of white going down his head. But it was his left leg he lost, not his right leg. And so that's the problem that you have <laughs> in a nutshell. That's exactly what happens. It's What, uh, a, what about the person who says the following? Um, because you're correct. I agree that John Edwards and his techniques are somewhat similar to what you described as far as imagery and the way that things are projected to you, um, uh, messages and alike. Uh, what do you say to a person 
who says, why would people from the afterlife come through to speak with someone that they cared about? And for the most part, 90% of what's going on becomes some sort of a, kind of a guessing game. You know what I mean? To establish that's the correct person. I get that part. But for more of a specific message, it seems far and few between. What do you say to that person? I would disagree. Everything I've done gets very specific messages. If you had a reading with me, I would say your Auntie Jean's here. You found a red scarf in your attic that she knitted for you when you was eight, and you were thinking of throwing it away, and she wants you to keep it. I've, I've told people that, that your granddad's come through, and he wants to remind you that you buried a time capsule in the corner of the barn in 1962, and you need to go and dig it up. And they say, wow, I'd forgotten about that, and the following day they're going to buy a spade. You know, everything I do... I can only talk about myself. I can't talk about other readers, but I want detail. I want specifics, and I'm confident I will get them. I will fill in pages and pages and pages of notes and drawings of stuff that you've long since forgotten. People say to me, oh, you can look this stuff up. How is it I can get you detail that you haven't thought about for 20 years, that's not written down anywhere, that even you couldn't remember until your uncle told you about it? So... Um, there isn't a sense of guessing with anything I do. I'm very specific in my details. I will draw you pictures of the things I'm seeing and you will recognize them. And so I can only talk for myself, but I don't have that sense of wishy-washy kind of, you know, I, I do with the tarot reading, of course, that I just gave. It's different because I'm looking at cards and I'm trying to decipher them. But just sat with a piece of paper contacting your granddad, I would certainly be nailing all those details. I'd be certainly giving you shared memories and things that he wants to, to get across that only you two would ever know about. Well, fair enough. And that makes sense. And, and Angel, that might be something that you might want to visit and discuss with Adrian down the road if you want to get more clarity or more detail or re reach out to someone specific, perhaps. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, we're out of time. and That is the confines of the radio show and network, because uh, if it were up to me, I would definitely want to keep going, because I have more to ask. And this has been a fascinating program for our mm -hmm. audience. They really enjoyed you, Adrian. And I want to thank you for being here tonight. And I also want to ask if you might be interested in coming on for a future show where we are going to discuss something that is very dear to me in the New Mexican desert that you might be able to assist with. So that's something you can stew over and think about. Uh, I, I hope you enjoyed yourself. Did you have a good time? I did, yes. I always like answering people's questions and like to educate. I just want to remind people my latest book, Mysterious Midwest, Unwrapping Urban Legends and Ghostly Tales from the Dead, is now available. And David Ellison of Megadeth has actually written a foreword. I co-corroborated and cross-promote with Megadeth now on a lot of the work I do. So he's written a foreword to that. He wrote a song called Mary Jane in 1988 about the witch's curse in Loon Lake Cemetery, if people are familiar with Megadeth, and that's one of the places I investigated, was Loon Lake Cemetery and the Witch's Curse. And what time does your show play again, by the way, on uh, Dark Matter? Yeah, I'm on at 8 o'clock Central Time. The show's called More Questions and Answers. You can listen yeah. now if you go to my archives on soundcloud.com and search for MQTA. It's the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Fantastic. Adrian, thanks for being here. And uh, thanks to Megadeth out there, too. I'm a big fan. And everyone oh, yeah. else listening.
to the Ufanot Radio every Monday night. Where else would you rather be? Where else would you want to be? Studying this, helping with disclosure, helping with topics to get people to start thinking and looking at things with a different filter. This is Jesse Randolph. You've been listening to Ufanot Radio, and we will see you next week, Monday night. <laughs>